Hello and welcome to the Middletown podcast. My name is Fiona McCaffrey and today I'm speaking with Jodie O'Neill. Jodie is an award-winning autistic writer and performer with over 20 years experience working in the theatre, film and TV sector in Ireland and internationally. And we're here to speak about Jodie's play, What I Don't Know About Autism. And I was lucky enough to see and participate in a Q&A after a performance of What I Don't Know About Autism in Dublin in February. It is sometimes comic, sometimes heartbreaking look at the world of autism. So good morning, Jodie, and thank you for joining me this morning. Good morning, Fiona. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself as an autistic person, parent and professional in the theatre. Okay, um, well, I guess I uh, have lived most of my life. Um, I've lived all of my life as an autistic person, but I've, I've lived most of my life without knowing that I was an autistic person. So the last sort of four years have been life-changing and illuminating for me um, as I kind of found my way to my autism diagnosis, which I formally got in June of 2019. So I was born in Dublin. I, I grew up mostly in Cork. I think that I, I grew up in a family where my dad had grown up in Liverpool, my mum had grown up in Walkinstown, and we moved to an island called Cove in the south of Ireland. And we were blow-ins. And, you know, as blow-ins on an island with a very kind of insular attitude at that time in the 1980s, we kind of remained blow-ins, but we became part of like a community of, of Dutch people, English people, uh, French, German people who were working for Irish Steel and for various um, like IFI and Pfizer were all um, bringing in international workers at that time. So I think I always felt really different, but I always felt like I was in a community that really embraced difference. So, and I would say that my parents were, you know, were very em- embracing of, of the diversity of, uh, of children that they had. I'm the youngest of three, so I have two older brothers and we were all really different and we all had very particular interests, but I think um, we were very fortunate to find our way into a family where that was embraced rather than our parents feeling like, you know, oh, she's too much into ballet. We better get her playing hockey. So I think, so I was, I was lucky to land in the right family. And I lived in Cork uh, until I was about 17. And then I moved to Dublin to study English, did that for a year, realized I wasn't going to college very much. And so I took a break and I also studied a lot of dance. And so I I did a, a formal dance training for a couple of years and then finally found my way into theatre. And I had been in a youth theatre in my teens, so it was sort of a natural step. And I guess when I graduated college, I, you know, obviously you think, okay, this is fantastic. I'm going to have this amazing career. I'm going to be employed all the time. And then, you know, two months later, you're back working in the same restaurant that has put you through college. And at a certain point, I suppose, when I was four or five years out of college, I thought, okay, well, I need to find another way to sustain myself. And I started to write plays. And so I suppose since about 2005, 2006, I've been kind of juggling mainly acting and and writing. And then I had a child in 2012 and that very much changed the what I was able to do and what I wasn't able to do because my partner also works in the theatre sector. So late nights became challenging. Being away on tour for a long time, it obviously becomes challenging. And as time went by, we realised that we also were raising a child who had very particular needs and and needed me to be around. So so I kind of stopped making theatre for a couple of years and I worked in soap opera because I could do that from home very easily and kind of work it around our own schedule at home. And then in 2016, when my son was diagnosed with autism, I we were told we should get an ABA therapist and we should get him into early intervention and we should make him normal as quickly as we could. And we sort of started to pursue that route, but kind of stumbled our way, our way into the autistic community and realized that there was 
this kind of divergence between what professionals were saying um, sometimes about what we should be doing with our autistic child versus what autistic adults and young people were saying would have helped them as young people. And so I suppose it, having not really thought that I would go back into making theatre, it just ignited a spark because I'm not, you know, a politician, I'm not a public speaker, but I knew that I wanted to make more public the message of neurodiversity. And uh, I wanted to do what I could do, I suppose, in advocacy to try and make people more accepting of difference. And so the natural fit for me was to start to write a play. And the play that I set out to write was a completely different play from the one that I actually ended up writing, but I think landed on the right one in the end. Jodie, I have to ask, what was the play that you thought you were going to write? Oh, yeah, I might still write it. So the play that I thought I was going to write was about a world where genetic anomaly has been annihilated and you grow your baby in a pod. And so you choose, you you get kind of matched to a partner who matches your genetic specifications and uh, who's going to be a good match for you. And then you choose your baby and you get your baby grown and your baby is handed to you. But what they realize is that innovation has stopped. So there's, and in the midst of this is a couple who decide, okay, we're going to do this our own way and we're just going to have a baby and see what happens. So that was the, it was a sort of sci-fi um and, you know, I think actually it could work really well as a TV series, but it wasn't, I, I guess, I think I wanted to, so I wanted it to be really well researched, but what happened was the research was so fascinating that, and, and every time I talked to somebody about the research, they would be, you know, it was new for them. So in the end, the play became a compilation of my research instead of, you know, something with a beginning to end narrative as I had originally thought I would, I would create. And the current production, Jodie, What I Don't Know About Autism. Can you tell us a little bit about the process that led to this? Yeah, absolutely. So what happened was I um, I was working for Fair City and I just needed to take some time out so that I could devote it to this project. So I applied for an Arts Council bursary to research and develop making work about autism acceptance. So there was kind of a lengthy research period. and But during the research period, I would every so often I would write a scene and I would think, okay, well, that's just a way of me logging my research in kind of dramatic form. But then after a while, I realized, oh, I have quite a lot of scenes now. And maybe this is the play that I'm going to write. And so we were received some funding from the Abbey to do a development week. And I really thought, okay, we'll just test out these scenes, see how they fit together, see if they hang together in any way. I had met Eleanor Walsh at the very start of my research process. Uh, she had worked with our set designer, Maeve, actually, She'd interviewed Maeve as part of her thesis and Maeve was really impressed with Eleanor and said, you know, maybe you should talk to her if this is the work that you're going to be doing. Um, so I'd met with Eleanor and at the end of having tea with Eleanor way back in, I think, early 2018 or late 2017, I said, OK, well, if I write a play, would you like to be in it? And uh, and she very generously said yes. So uh, what we did in May of 2019 was we just got six actors together funded by the Abbey in a space in the Peacock for a week, kind of just thrash out ideas. And and then at the end of the week, we invited in a very, very small audience, but members of the autistic community and some friends and family and a few theatre professionals were there. And and that showing was really positive and we had a really positive feedback afterwards in the Peacock. Um, and then the next step was that we then had some funding from Wicklow County Council to do a more developed work in progress showing in Mermaid in September of 2019. And, you know, in theatre, when you do a work in progress showing, you expect 15, 20, 30 people to show up in the audience. And Mermaid were charging for, they were charging a fiver just to cover some costs. Um, and I thought, you know, okay, well, maybe, you know, if they're charging a fiver, maybe we'll get 20. But that showing booked out 
and there was, you know, there was a, a demand for tickets for it. So I suppose at that stage, we knew, okay, we're on the right track and we had secured funding from the Arts Council for a full production. So we went into rehearsals in around about this time last year, actually, we were in our first two weeks of rehearsals, kind of adapted the rehearsal process to suit to suit all our needs as a cast, I suppose, and also to allow some time in between the rehearsal blocks for this script to develop. Because for me, a lot of processing happens not in the room, but in the downtime in between. So we spaced out our rehearsal process. We worked shorter days. And then we premiered in the first week of February of uh, this year. It seems like a different year, but um, of this year in the, in the Peacock. And then we went on to travel to the Everyman and Mermaid again. Jodie, as you've said, the cast is a mixture of autistic and non-autistic actors. What were you looking for in your cast? That's a really good question, Fiona. What happened was, was that I thought at the beginning that casting was going to be really challenging. I always knew that it was going to be a mix of autistic and non-autistic actors. I think I I didn't always know that I was going to be in it, but then when I kind of wrote something that I realized there was going to be a lot of questions around and we were going to make the space for questioning, I also didn't want to dump a bunch of actors into something that I wasn't there to take responsibility for. So that was kind of the decision to to be in it myself was to be there to kind of represent, okay, if there was a night where somebody in the audience really disagreed with the material that I'm not leaving the actors on their own to to answer for what I've written. But in terms of the other actors, they actually the more challenging thing was to find the non-autistic actors because the autistic actors just presented themselves. So I had as as part of my research in the very very early stages I sent out questionnaires to both parents or carers of autistic people and also to self-advocates. There were two different questionnaires. And um one of the upshots of that, I mean I got some amazing material and responses back. But I also got a message on Facebook from somebody called Jason Murray, who was saying, uh, I hear you're doing a play about autism. I have these qualifications in drama. I'm autistic. Can I audition for it? And it was one of those messages where you go, okay, look, that's that's brilliant. It's probably not going to pan out, but I'll, I'll get back to you and we'll see. And, you know, I don't have any funding yet and I don't haven't written the play. And then so when we did get to the stage where we had actually written the play, Jason came up from Wexford to audition and walked in and was just absolutely perfect and open and sensitive and engaged and talented. And, and so, and and we also, I guess we had, because we had the luxury of these development weeks, we didn't have to cast straight out of an audition process. So we could say, do you want to come and work with us for a week? And at the end of that week, if you don't like working with us, that's absolutely fine. And, you know, we can make a call on whether this is the right fit for the production, but everybody who worked with us was the right fit. And then Shay Croak, who was another actor in the show, is started at KCAT in in Callan as a, as a visual artist, but then has also done their drama program. And because Donal and Maeve, who worked on the show, Donal directed the show, and Maeve was our set designer and costume designer. They both they both work regu- regularly at KCAT. They said, "Look, will you come down and meet Shay?" And again, you know, Shay read some of the text and we had a chat. And I just went, "Okay, this is probably going to work," but it, it's a different experience for him coming to work in Dublin city centre. And he lives normally in rural Tipperary and, you know, works out of Callan, which is quite a small town. Uh, so again, it was, you know, it was trial and error. We talked to Shay, talked to Shay's parents said, you know, let's just try a week and then let's try the second week. And then at that stage, Shay, it was really clear that he wanted to do the show. But in terms of then casting the non-autistic actors, what we needed, I suppose, were people who were really open and people for whom the process wasn't going to be 
necessarily wholly about them. So it, what we knew was that we were making something new and like obviously people and actors can be insecure. And so what we needed were people who were very steady and who I suppose if we're going to enter into uncharted territory with us and not get panicked along the way. And we were really lucky that we, that we found those people. So that was kind of, it was sort of a very accidental casting process, but it, but it worked out very well for us. One of the things that I found interesting was the way you break the fourth wall and you engage with the audience. And it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge at times, which I really enjoyed. It's very playful. How do you piece that together without losing the continuity? of the story are? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I suppose in terms of breaking that fourth wall, I always felt, and you know, I wanted it to be a relaxed performance, both for the actors and for the audience. So I, I didn't want it to have the normal rules of a theatre performance where, you know, everybody come in and be quiet and we'll pretend that you're not there. And I wanted it to be a genuine engagement and a genuine dialogue between the performers and the audience. And the, the performers were incredibly brave because we didn't know how that was going to go. But they were up for trying it and, and audiences were as well really engaged and really generous. In terms of structuring it, um, I worked with a dramaturg uh, at the Abbey called Louise Stevens. Gave me an incredible note really early on in terms of the piece. And she, so she had read it and the scenes, you know, were more or less all there, but they were in a different order. And there might have been one or two missing maybe. And she said, maybe see if you can track the journey of emotions through the play. So track the journey of joy throughout the play, track the journey of sadness. And so what we ended up with was rather than trying to structure it in terms of beginning, middle, end, structuring it in terms of, okay, the play starts in, you know, we're just in a conversation with the audience. It's extremely relaxed. It's extremely casual. It gets quite dark, quite fast. And then it's sort of, you know, it's teetering between comedy and darkness a lot. But then once it really pulls, like once it goes to the darkest point of the play, after that, it doesn't go back there. So it sort of pulls out so that we come out in a kind of a positive. So it wasn't about, I suppose, narratively taking the audience on a journey so much as sort of emotionally trying to keep people with us over the course of it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yes. Do you have any influences on your work, Jodie? Yeah, I think loads of influences on my work. I mean, obviously, this play is heavily influenced by all the research I did and also influenced by my son. Um, because there's, you know, there's a lot of movement in this play. And we talked a lot about like circuits and routes and, you know, uh, tracking of journeys. And I think, um, autistic people map spaces in a different way to neurotypical people and they explore space in a different way. So, um, that was also a big influence in terms of how we actually explored the physical environment that we were in. I think because I trained first as a dancer, that really has had a massive impact on my work in that I just think there should be dancing and everything. Um, but you know, I'm, I would be a massive fan of, uh, artists like, um, Michael Keegan Dolan or, um, you know, the, the Shaibuna in Berlin where there's, there's kind of a, a playfulness and a, an exploration of not just text and not just cerebral teasing out of issues on a stage, but an actual, you know, more sort of gutsy, full bodied presence. But I suppose what's interesting, I think, is that as an artist, you go through a journey. And because I, and I think my journey is quite particular because I didn't know I was autistic. And so I spent the first nine years of my life really trying not to fit in. And then from 10 until I would say 25, 30, even desperately trying to fit in. And that really then it 
kind of influenced my work as an artist because I was trying to make the work that I thought other people wanted to see and that I was trying to fit into the box that I thought that I should fit into. Whereas as I've learned more about myself and realized why it is that I don't fit into those boxes, I think my work, yeah, is still influenced, obviously, because we're the product of everything that we experience every day, but is actually more uniquely my own and probably the better for it. In relation to research, Jody, how did you decide what to keep in and what to leave out of the play? It is vast. Yeah. And I think, I suppose, really, what we could do was kind of present a pick and mix of of, of the research that I had done. And I think I, I generally did it quite intuitively in that, you know, I would I would read a lot, I would take a break, and then I would see, okay, what's going to come up? And the stuff that came up was the stuff that came up. And obviously, there was tons that I that I did want to explore. And there's still stuff that I, I would like to explore. It's, I suppose it was about seeing, we had those, those development periods where we could test out how stuff landed as well with audiences and to see, okay, well, actually now this bit, and again, Louise um, Stevens came into this as dramaturg, was that she would be able to say, actually, I think that's repetition because I think you've already made that point here. And then sometimes you needed to make the point a number of times because it's just important that people really hear it. And in a sense, I didn't, I did worry. I mean, a lot of people said during the development of this too much in it and actually you're, you're writing too many different plays at the one time. But I suppose structurally and in terms of the experience, I wanted the audience to feel a little bit of what it is like to be autistic in a world that's not necessarily built to meet your needs. And the reality is that there is an awful lot of visual, sensory, textural, sonic information coming at you from all sides all the time. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not that worried if people feel a bit overloaded. That's okay. Obviously, I don't want to distress the audience, but if there's too much information, well, yeah, there's too much information because this is an autistic play and this is how, you know, it it feels it needs to be for this particular production. Jodie, not to give away too much about the play, but there are difficult scenes and there are dark scenes. And I note that in one of the most difficult scenes, you chose to play that yourself. Could you tell us a little bit more about those decisions and those scenes? So I've, I find it okay. I mean, I think, so in a sense, the audience coming in, they don't know what they're about to see. Whereas as writer, I have the control to choose what I am or am not putting in. And so in a sense, I suppose my more emotional process was through the research. So, and, and, and that was heavy and impactful and emotional but in fact actually writing it is a way of processing those emotions so by the time the material is on stage in the play you know we've rehearsed it a bunch of times and um, I did play the, I, I played that part a because um in, in conversation with Donald the director he, he thought it was the right choice but I suppose I did also knew that it was going to be a potentially problematic time of the play or potentially emotional or potentially provocative time. And again, I didn't want to put it on another actor to have to say those words. So, so I felt it was, you know, it was, it was the right decision, but I think, you know, as an actor, everybody has different ways of, of protecting themselves. And there is a certain amount of, obviously you're present in the moment on the stage, but you know, there's a, there's always an awareness of, of, of these are lines and you've said them before. And yeah, it's depicting something that's absolutely horrific, but 
but it's in, it's in a safe form. It's in, it's scripted and it has a structure and a beginning and a middle and an end. So it's not going to, you know, it's not like an emotional experience where you don't know where it's going to end. So my final question, Jodie, is what's next? So again, I can't give a complete spoiler alert, but what's next is that we have like recently learned that we have funding to produce the show again in 2021. So that's really exciting. Um, And we'll have more news on that over the coming months as we just firm up the details of the production. But in the meantime, I also have been working. I have some funding to research and develop making work specifically about female autism. And so that's again been like, I'm in the midst of the, the, the research process at the moment and I haven't written that much. I think what I do write would be a very, very different play to this one, but it's, yeah, it's been really interesting. And we've held a couple of focus groups over the last few weeks with autistic women. And having that shared space, albeit over Zoom, has been an extraordinary privilege. And to hear people's experiences and people from around the world who mostly grew up, you know, at least until their 20s, not realizing why they felt different, not realizing that they were autistic. And so, so I'm not exactly sure what's going to come of that, but there will be a, a script and then I'll have to see about getting funding for, for that. And then in the meantime, I'm working with my partner, who's a sound designer. We've gotten some development funding from the Dublin Theatre Festival to make a piece or to start making a piece called Seaside Conversations. Because one of the things that I noticed about the pandemic was the invisibility of disability service users. So who would have lost their day services at the very beginning of the pandemic for a period of time, but you know, many of whom would have uh, compromised immune systems. And I just became aware of how little their voices were included in the conversation, in the media, in what we were digesting about COVID-19. And so essentially what we're proposing to do is to, we live in Bray in, in County Wicklow, we have the sea very near us and we can meet service users and their support workers very safely at the seaside. And we are going to engage in, I suppose, multi-sensory encounters and hear where they're at, where their thoughts are at. And then we're going to make a piece. We don't know what the piece is going to be yet because we want it to be completely dictated by the participants and their experiences. But again, you know, it will be, I'm just, I suppose in my work, I, I feel really strongly that I pulled on to the mantra of nothing about us without us. So although we may not work with the service users in terms of then rehearsals and then performing the piece, we will work with actors with disabilities, but professional actors with disabilities in whatever form this piece eventually takes. And yeah, so hopefully, I'm very hopeful that we'll bring the whole cast back together again for what I don't know about autism. They all seem to want to to, to continue to be part of it and to see what the next stage on the journey is. Jodie, thank you very much. I wish you all the best for your future work and, and all the best to the cast of what I don't know about autism also. And thank Thanks you so much. Thank you. Thank you.